Welcome to Gracefield Grit. I'm your host, Lana Stinner, and we are chatting all about growing your faith, family, and the backyard farm. Here at the Gracefield Homestead, we are having honest, hard, and authentic conversations with some amazing guests about getting back to the basics and what's important in life. We are not for everyone, and we don't clean up our conversations, so you will get the unedited chat. Each episode, you can expect practical tips and encouragement. I am so honored to have you join us today, so grab a cup of coffee and let's do this thing. This podcast is brought to you by the Backyard Farm Academy. Have you dreamed of fresh eggs every morning and adding chickens to your yard? Do you want a flourishing garden and fruit trees to be more self-sufficient or even honey from your own beehives? Join the Backyard Farm Academy, where we will simplify all the steps in our online training sessions that you can complete at your own pace. Go to lannacenter.com backslash academy for more information and to grab your spot. Let's get busy building your backyard farm. Well, friends, we have a treat for you today. I am so honored that you have joined us again. Today, we have the girl named Blake. You're probably already following her on Instagram. If not, you should head over there and do that. But Blake is a writer and founder of the Crappy Christian Co., which aims to teach women how to use their God-given gifts for the kingdom. She is the host of the most popular podcast, Confessions of a Crappy Christian, a weekly show that specializes in conversations with guests about their passions, their struggles, and all the things they aren't sure they want to talk about. So Blake's goal in all aspects of her ministry is to tell the truth while always pointing people to Jesus. And I can't imagine a better mission than that. So welcome, (laughs) Blake. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So how are you doing today? You having a good day? I am. Wednesdays are like my slow morning where I let myself like, I don't get up and go. So I'm great. Yeah. Good. Good. And as this recording, we're finishing up summer and kiddos are heading off to school and life is good. It is. (laughs) It's nice to get back into a routine a little bit. Schedules are good. So Blake has so many wonderful things going on right now. And, um, you know, we're just going to jump right in. And I am fascinated by the uh, name that you have, the Christian, the Crappy Christian Co. uh, is actually her business. It is um, her new book coming out. It is her, one of her number one best-selling podcasts going on. People are listening to it all over. So tell us about the inspiration for your name, I love it. It's just genius. How did you come up with that? I mean, I usually tell people that it was God's idea. Like, I really think he dropped it in my lap, knowing that it would resonate with people. But it came from a season of, I was really studying a lot of Paul's work and writings. And uh, really the verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where it talks about my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And I remember just really not getting that. (laughs) Like, what? I'm going to talk about my weakness. I'm going to talk about the things that I'm not good at or they're hard. And then what I realized was, is that that was what I was desperately in need of, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in that season. But I think we all need that in every season. And I just kind of felt this nudge from God, like, 
you go do it, go be it. This is what you need. Go make it. And so I did. And the podcast was the, the confessions of a crappy Christian originated with the podcast, obviously December of 2018. Mm-hmm. It was like my 30th birthday present to myself oh, and awesome. I launched it out into the world. I was, I had nothing. I didn't, my Instagram was just like friends and family. And, um, it was me and a friend kind of figuring it out. I didn't have any like fancy production or anything like that. And it just was and continues to be really honest conversations about like normal things, but then also just about stuff that sucks or is hard or that you feel like nobody's talking about. And that just really, really resonated with people. And so the last three and a half years has definitely been a wild ride. Yes. Congratulations. I mean, huge success. And your podcast is one of the top Christian podcasts Mm -hmm. out there. And it's it's just fabulous. If, If you all are not listening to her podcast or following her online, She's a joy. Uh, she's a treat, and she's very honest. And does, yeah. as, as we say in our introduction here to this podcast, we're not for everybody, right. uh, because we just we we say it where we need to say it. And so um, I I appreciate that about you. So tell me a little bit about the subtitle of your yeah. book. So I'm going to read it here just so I have it. Exactly. It's long. <laughs> life talk about all the things Christians aren't sure we're supposed to say and why they matter to God. So that is such a powerful subtitle. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So in that, again, in that same season, end of 2018, for me, I was stepping into my relationship with Christ in a way that I hadn't before where it was, I was a mom now. Um, I was kind of, you know, I felt like I was just now starting to kind of get on my feet a little bit. People who tell you that you should have your life figured out in your twenties have no idea what they're talking about. Like, yeah, I got married and had two kids, but I had no idea what I was doing. And not that I have it all figured out now, but I definitely under, like I get myself more. I understand my relationship with, with God more. And so I just found myself growing weary of what I've come to now call like precious Christianity, like the tiptoe Christianity that acts like everything is really cute and pretty on the outside, but they it's ugly on the inside a lot of the time and gossip and judgment and competition and like, but also not being honest that you struggle with those things because it's okay to struggle with those things. It's not okay for those things to dictate your life. And so I just kind of wanted somebody to rip the bandaid off. Mm-hmm. I uh, struggle with mental health a lot and um, body image and relationship. And I felt it made me feel very isolated that nobody was talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the conception of my ministry. And has honestly, it's just been really cool to watch it. That stay the core motivation. It's just grown. It mm-hmm. just, but I, the reason that I show up is like, let's just like, let's just talk about it. We don't need to whisper about it. We don't need to be embarrassed. Let's just, I've always enjoyed people that they, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of the, the motivation behind this is that that should be like Christians should be what you see is what you get. I don't right. want to not see you coming and then end up stabbed in the back, you know? Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I know that you hit a lot of, um, of the tough topics that, yeah. Um, the others don't. What do you feel is the concern 
with the Christian community not talking about these things? Um, I think it's a cup. I think it's like a conglomeration or it can be different things for different people. I do think some people maybe hold their platform a little bit too tightly. Mm-hmm. They've gotten a little bit too comfortable. Um, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think you're lying if you say that numbers don't matter because they're right. a metric for that. What you're doing is working. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you are too, if you're holding on to that too tightly, or if it's become too important for you, there are things that you may be willing to let slide or that God may be asking you to say that you may not step into, you know? So I do think that it's of benefit to me that like, I don't, I don't really care if I have a bunch of followers or not, um, at this, at this point. But I also think that there's fear of, judgment of retribution of cancel culture, which are all very legitimate concerns Mm -hmm. because all of that stuff sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also I think depth, like are, are we as women specifically Christian women have been kind of sectioned off to the flowers and Proverbs 31 woman and pink and like, I I don't know. Like my right. favorite color is black We're and <laughs> hey, like, I'm not even that tough, but I'm just kind of a loud mouth and I don't fit the, the religious mold mm-hmm. and battled with that for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's more common than maybe we get to see. Oh, absolutely. But we just like that dress it up nicely. Broken. I mean, right. it definitely does. I know. Um, when I took, and do you take social media breaks? Pretty oh yeah. 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 So I had taken a couple weeks off and with my daughter, um, moving from college. And when I came back, um, it was when the Roe v. Wade, the leak had happened. Okay. And, um, so I hadn't been on social media, but I had watched the news and I remember coming back to social media, just floored that no one was talking about just like not even bringing it up, like not just dancing around it. Just, it just didn't even exist. And these were people that I knew how they felt. I knew their views. Um, and you know, you want to stay in your lane. Mine is, you know, goats and recipes and flowers and all that stuff. But if occasionally you step out, you want to, you want to be consistent with that. Right. And these people that had talked about other social justice and things were just very quiet about it. And I do remember at the point, it's like, okay, I'm going to go check and see if Blake is even <laughs> mentioning anything here. And, you know, bless it, you were. And, um, <laughs> it was just nice because I was with my daughter, who's a college student, very you know, strong in her opinions, but she's like, where is everybody? I know how they feel and no one's talking about it. And so I do think outside of just what you're doing is also a mentorship for these young kiddos coming up. Kiddos, I say, you know, college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's not just for all of us adults too. It's for people to seek you out and say, okay, if she's being bold in her faith, maybe I can be bold in my faith as well. And so, um, you know, I just, I appreciate that you bring those things up. Yeah. So how do you deal with the heat? Because obviously I know when we did a podcast on that topic, um, 
And ours was, you know, we took it from a very different approach and it was very positive and we're not trying yeah. to change anybody's mind or any of that. We're just, you know, putting some facts out there. Um, we took a lot of heat. And so how do you handle that on a regular basis? Well, I want to go back to what you said about like serving others, because the coolest messages that I get, the coolest DMs that I get are from people who are like watching you step into this arena makes, has like helped me do that. That really is the point is like, I want to help people find their brave because Mm -hmm. like they have a spirit. They don't have a spirit of fear and timidity. Like they have a a spirit of power, love, and self-control and love tells the truth Mm -hmm. even when it's uncomfortable. And so Thank you for that. It was really kind. Yeah. Uh, as far as handling the heat, some of it is just having been in the game for three and a half years, which really isn't that long. But in the beginning, I did not take it as well, for sure. I it The hateful comments or DMs or even like dark CD corners of the internet that are like, online forums and stuff, it would get to me. And I've, there was one point where it got to me and I almost quit Mm -hmm. everything, but that moment also served as a turning point where God was kind of like, okay, so these, the negative voices aren't even the majority, but these negative voices are going to be more powerful in your life. Yes. They're louder. Mine. Mm -hmm. God was like, I don't think so. And that was a wake up call for me. I've also, my friends that I've had for a really long time will tell you that I'm kind of built for this work. I don't take things very personally. I'm difficult to offend just by DNA. I think just genetically, uh, I'm not an overly emotional person, but also for me, the perspective shift of seeing that level of hate or anger as sad. Mm-hmm more than anything has been a real game changer for me. Like when I see, you know, with Roe versus Wade, you know, that whole month of June was just crazy because the leak was at the top of the month. The official um, announcement was, was it at the end of the month or the next month? Yeah. It was a, it was a ways away from. The yeah. Leak. Yeah. I think it was like the June was top of June was the leak. And I think that it happened in July, the actual opinion. Right. And so yeah. yeah, people were just so emotional and really upset because it is an emotional topic. But I remember just, you know, I'm fine with people disagreeing. I don't even consider that heat. The like vitriol, I just see it as sad now. Like that a stranger on the internet can make you this upset. One, that, that needs some work. Right. <laughs> um, but then also just that, Like, I just want those people to find Jesus and they're not going to find Jesus by me being like hateful or snarky back. Um, And so honestly, if I don't feel like I have the capacity to be kind, I typically just don't respond. Mm -hmm. But if I do, I try to just, you know, tell them that they don't like, they don't have to be so angry and, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's not to say, you know, there was a time when all of the COVID stuff was really big. A couple of people told me they hoped my kids got COVID and died. And that was upsetting. Like I definitely, that definitely got to me a little bit just because it's different when it's your kids. But otherwise, I think I've just learned to see people through like the lens of their own brokenness mm-hmm. um, because I, you have to be willing to be self-reflective. And I know when I lash out, it's because I'm broken or unhealed or insecure. Mm-hmm. So. 
That's really where I come at it from. Right, right. So do you have um, anything to say to the Christian that's, you know, been around forever and has been hurt by the church? Mm. Is there, I know you, you speak on that some, you know, on your platforms. Yeah. What would you say to someone that is just overly done um, and is church people are hypocritical, uh, you know, that type of person that has just been hurt and they're, yeah. they're over it and they're protecting themselves from future hurt, not going, not attending. What would you speak to them? I mean, I think I would say same <laughs> first. Right, uh, right. The, most of the people in the last 10 years of my life, I would say that have hurt me the most have been fellow Christians from churches that I was attending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I get it. And it, I'm not here to pretend like that doesn't happen or that, you know, I think a large part of the problem is Christians pretending like they're perfect. Um, but at the same time, it's people that hurt you, not the church. Right. Uh, Jesus didn't hurt you. People did in their brokenness. Like we were just talking about in their insecurity and in their pain in their unhealedness, they hurt you. God didn't. And walking away from the church, being in community is part of God's design for his kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I get needing a break. I've taken a break before from going to corporate worship. And I think that that's okay. But I also I'm of the belief that I don't think that that's healthy long-term. I think we were meant to be surrounded by fellow believers in community, learning under skilled teachers. Um, and I write about, there's a whole chapter in my book about kind of what, how to heal from that, how to not stay an island, because I think that's really easy to become an island or even to deconstruct entirely, which again, it just it makes me so sad because I get that. I get being hurt by people who proclaim the name of Christ and like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But I think remembering that like Jesus isn't the one that hurt you. He's the one that's walking through it with you. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that unhealed, like, you know, like hurt people, hurt people. (laughs) And I've experienced that time and time again. I talk in the book, there are multiple chapters about like some of the worst pain I've ever been in was caused by people who proclaim the name of Jesus mm-hmm. and that as hurtful and sucky as that is on the other side, it makes me all the more thankful for grace because mm-hmm. how many times have I hurt the heart of God um, in my humanity? And yet like, I can't outrun or overuse his grace. And I, I want to be the same, but then also there are chapters about boundaries. That doesn't mean that forgiveness is what you did is okay. You know, I'm forgive and forget, like forgive and forget isn't a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> forgive is I'm not, I don't, I'd be dumb to forget. Like right. that'd be foolish, you know? So it's so complicated. And I, mm-hmm. it, that's a, just one more area that I feel like we're not seeing a lot of churches step into or take accountability for, or just talk about it without being like, uh, just go to church. Like, no, that's not the answer either. Right. Right. Yeah. So good. So good. So how do you feel? I know in one of your chapters, you talk a lot about feelings versus truth. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe speak a little bit to that and how, how we, 
normally just jump right onto the feeling side of things. Right. Yeah. Well, and I opened that chapter with the reality that God created us with feelings. So feelings aren't bad. I give this analogy in the book of you just can't let them drive the car Mm -hmm. because if they drive the car, then truth, I think I give this analogy of like truth is like tied up in the trunk. Mm-hmm. Whereas truth is meant to co-pilot us. And um, you know, I give an example of a relationship breakdown that happened because of one singular event that was out of character for everyone involved, but one of the parties just decided that that was the truth that she was going to believe from here on out, completely negating and throwing away years of friendship and of loyalty and faithfulness and just acting like I was this person that I had never been, but had had like a not great mental health moment. And, and just that there was no grace and no understanding. And I was just watching this train (laughs) headed straight for me. That was just driven by feelings of her own insecurity and her own pain. And I kind of had to step out of the way because, you know, I don't think that it's healthy to go as far as people like Ben Shapiro, who will be like, feelings don't care. Like facts don't care about your feelings. Mm -hmm. Well, like that's not exactly the biblical response either. Like I want to take other people's feelings into account as much as I can, but I'm not willing to sacrifice facts and truth on the altar of your feelings. And I think that that is sometimes a problem within the church. I think, especially within like more progressive theology that like, well, I don't, that doesn't feel good. So I'm going to reject it. Well, I mean, it's not really how it works, you know? And so I think it can be applicable in relationships. It can be applicable in our theology. It can be applicable in our politics and our relationships. Did I say relationships twice? I think I did. But you know, this idea that your feelings matter and they are valid, but they can't trump truth. Right. I think and a lot of people lie to you. They can exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like the, they her this girl's feelings were lying to her that I wasn't a good friend that I wasn't there for that. I didn't cheer her on, but she let that become her truth. And right. so that's a whole nother, you know, like is, can you have your truth or is there just the truth, you know? Right. Right. Yes. So do you feel as, I mean, you've had quite a ride over the last couple of years. Do you feel as you're gaining or you're hitting these milestones and you're gaining success in your business and your podcast and on platforms, do you see that the friendship levels change in what you're needing? And um, do you, do you have different friendship levels for different things. Oh, absolutely. And that's been a really hard lesson that I've had to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this weird like mix of not being very trusting, but then like once I trust you, you're like all you're the way, way in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has not served me well, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Uh, not being overly trusting has, but the like full access once I trust you is just, I've had to learn the hard way. So, the last three and a half years, I've lost three really close friends mm-hmm. in really spectacular crash and burns mm-hmm. um, for varying reasons. But, and I talk about this in the book as well, which I feel like I'm saying that 
an obnoxious amount, but I also just poured my whole life into this book. That's good. That's what about but, <laughs> but I talk about like losing friendships due to success. Mm-hmm. And I really tried to approach it from a very humble um but honest perspective because I started having conversations with other friends who their success looked different than mine. Obviously there's was maybe financial success or success in motherhood. Like I had friends who just really hit their stride in motherhood and others that didn't. And those friendships suffered, Mm -hmm. but I just talked really honestly about like, we see that in scripture that, you know, we look at Saul and David and they were friends and then David hit success and Saul wanted like to kill him. And so this is not a unique or, you know, modern problem. And so I talk in the book about figuring that out and about how now, and this is a new development to be honest, but now I can look back on losing those friendships and I can see that they weren't supposed to come with me. Mm -hmm. The original chapter to that type, that the original title to that chapter was uh, when you, for when you can't take them with you, because mm-hmm. that was the overwhelming sense was like, I just wanted to take these people with me. And I tried to hold on to them and tried to fight for these relationships. And ultimately now I can see that God just, I wasn't, they weren't supposed to quote unquote, like take this mountain with me, mm-hmm. but he's been really faithful to put people in my life now who is my circle smaller. Yes. Mm-hmm. But these are people that'll go for, go to war for me and I would go to war for them. And we prioritize one another and everything is safe and, um, reciprocated. And so now I definitely view my life in like my favorite, very cheesy analogy for it is like of a house. And it's, you know, you have a fence and there are people that are outside of the fence. And then there are people who are welcome into your yard. And then there are people who are welcome onto your front porch or into your living room. And like, there's, you know, these like maybe one or two people who get to come in your bedroom mm-hmm. in a non-sexual way. You know what I mean? Right. right. Yes. So I try to see my relationships as that now. And that also helps with expectations. Like I'm not going to expect the same thing from somebody that's in my front yard of someone that's in my living room. Right. You know? And so just kind of taking some of the pressure off and expectations, but also protecting myself and my heart and my peace. Mm -hmm. It has been a ride for sure. Yeah. And I, I don't think people that get into this arena at all and start building platforms and start writing books, even realize that that's a thing until it like hits them in the face. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I, you know, I'm glad that you speak to that because, because it's, it is true. It is. It's very true. I mean, like people aren't always who they present themselves to be behind closed, you know, out in public versus behind closed doors. And I've had to learn that lesson the hard way, even in Christian circles and, Right. Yeah, it's just been it's been very eye opening, and but also God is like just so over and over used what the enemy meant for harm for good. Absolutely, and that makes it all worth it. Yeah, yeah, and and he. It's funny how something you had just said about Saul and David. Um, everything, nothing's new under the sun. I exactly. Mean, these things that were going. When I think about you know being disappointed in the church and how the church is a hot mess. I mean, all those books in the Bible were right. the hot messes of the church, you know? Exactly. And so it's so funny how we just think these things are brand new and, you know, such a big deal, you know, famines and right. all the diseases and things and talks of war. It's, and it's, you know, 
it's all there. And yep. if you just, you know, read that Bible, it'll just walk us right through it all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about how you feel about the Enneagram. I believe if I read right, you're an Enneagram eight, which I'm an Enneagram eight, which is oh, love it. a blessing and a curse sometimes Amen. because we just say what we say. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. How long have you been into the Enneagram? Are you hardcore into it? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, I am an Enneagram eight, but I don't want to live every minute. No, right. It's I, the Enneagram is a tool just like anything else. It's not an identity, you know, I'm also a Slytherin. I'm, that's not my identity. Mm-hmm. You know, the Enneagram is not uh, an excuse for bad behavior, but it also doesn't put you in a box. It helps you get out of the box. And so, you know, I discovered the Enneagram probably five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read The Road Back to You. And I remember the eighth or the first chapter. And I remember reading it. And there's still to this day, I have the book somewhere. There's like, stains of tear marks hitting the pages because it was just somebody, it felt like somebody writing my heart mm-hmm. that I'd always felt so alone in. I thought I was the only one. I was like, wait, if somebody wrote this book, then there's other people out there who feel this way. And then in that season uh, was a very dark time for my marriage. We were not doing well. We were honestly on the brink of separating and reading that book. So I'm an eight and my husband's a one, which could not be further apart on the spectrum of the Enneagram. And reading, we ended up reading the book together and it gave us tools to understand one another mm-hmm. and see one another and see one another's like wounded child and understand one another more deeply. And I, I credit like God used the Enneagram to help save my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, people get real in their feels about it um, because it potentially vaguely has some dark roots in the occult, which have not ever been actually proven or confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people will get like, you know, oh, this is taking part in witchcraft or the occult. I think it's all about your atten- intention. And also I think God can redeem anything mm-hmm. um, and use anything and its roots or potential beginnings. Um, I don't think can preclude him from doing that, but I'm very like, if you don't like it, don't use it. Right. Right. <laughs> like I'm not going to make you use it. If you don't, I don't drink coffee. That doesn't mean I hate people that drink coffee. I just, it's not for me, right. you know, but in that mindset is, not very prevalent, especially within Christian circles. It's very like black and white. Mm -hmm. I don't think God is, God is black and white. I think there's so much more gray, um, in scripture than I think than people are comfortable with. Um, so I'm not like some heart. I don't really talk about it that much. I went through a season where I was learning about it and learning about myself that I probably talked about it a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's still, you know, I still think the memes are hilarious and they are and they're every so once in a true. while. I mean, so I true. wish they were not. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. You know, like I definitely did not want to be an eight at right. first and was like, this is this person sounds awful. <laughs> you know, but it also has allowed me to see my flaws and know that I have the the capacity to steamroll people when I'm excited or you know, whatever. So it's just a tool and I love it and it's been helpful in my life, but if it's not for you, then that's cool too. Right. Yeah. And I agree with my husband as a two and we're like 
polar opposites. Um, but it was, and I'm I'm the same way. I'm not too into it, but it is interesting that I can look at kind of his profile and go, oh, uh-huh. wow, that now it makes sense why exactly that and why I do these things. And and it is kind of funny though, you know, my kids are older now and my son that just recently got married had said at some point, well, you're an eight, so blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> And it's not my identity, right? Against me, (laughs) right? Oh yeah, that's the other thing when people use your type against you. It's like, well, yeah. And he was one hundred percent right, but right, exactly. Right, right. (laughs) That's good. So, tell me about your heart for your whole ministry. So, you have so many fabulous things going on with your book and your platforms and your podcast. Um, tell me what your mission is. I know we talked a little bit about it. We touched on it when we first started, but what is your overall mission for everything you're doing? And also, what do you have coming up next? What are the yeah. plans for the future? Yeah. So I would say the the like mantra is that fear is on the other side of what makes you uncomfortable mm-hmm. and that God walks through the uncomfortable with you. Um, he doesn't want you to skirt around it. He puts his arm around you and he weathers it with you, whether that is in terms of becoming more brave and talking about things, whether it's in terms of creating something or starting a business or a ministry or a podcast of your own. Um, my whole point is to just help women specifically. I do work with some men, but that's a lower percentage. Um to step into the fullness that Christ has for you. Uh, So I do that through, I have a small group coaching where I help Christian small business owners get things kind of off the ground or take it to the next level. Um, And then I have a membership group called The Collective where we cover a topic every quarter and really do like, I'm super ADHD. So I joke that we do these like hyper fixation, deep dives on things. And right now we're talking about like, reading your Bible, like studying your Bible and taking these stories from being like Sunday school, you know, puppet shows to real things that happened that God thought were important enough to write down and give to his kids. And so I think it's the same thing that I do with my podcast and with my book is just, it took me a really long time to feel brave and confident enough to step into who I am and how God's gifted me. But now on the other side of that, there's just so much freedom and fullness that I want that for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, the, once this book is out, October 11th, I plan to take a really long nap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm probably going to take November off, to be honest, and just recover from the absolute marathon. Beautiful incredible honoring marathon, but marathon nonetheless. Um, and then I just kind of am really excited to get to keep digging in with people, mm-hmm. um, through like those different groups and through Instagram and connecting with people and doing stuff like this and interviews for the podcast. I don't really have any big grand plans for after, I think, cause I'm just getting to the finish line and then like, let's see what God has as the next steps. So yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and I love how you say that foundation is actually what a concept reading the Bible. Right. Um, we, you know, we, so we make all these big decisions and uh, we get in internet arguments with people over something in scripture. And, you know, it's interesting to me how, most Christians don't know their Bible, but right. they'll, you know, go to bat for something and they don't really have the the base and the background. And yeah. to me, that's totally the foundation of it all. Or, you know, 
If we don't yep. know what we're talking about, we shouldn't be talking about it. So. Right. Or somebody else is going to be able to tell you what the Bible says instead of you reading it for yourself, which is right. dangerous. So yes, yeah, I agree. So I'm 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 glad that's the foundation of it because it's it's sadly it's rare. Yeah. Uh, in the Christian community, it's just kind of nuts that that's not a top priority. So, yeah, so I'm glad that is. So what if you had, um, you know, we're all excited about your book coming out. And um, if you had one thing that you want your readers to come, you know, when they shut that last page, when they turn that last page and shut the book, what is, is there one thing that you really want them to come away with? Yeah, I think just that you have everything you need for life and godliness in Christ. Like you just have to walk in it. You don't have there's no checklist, there's no hurdles, there's no hoops to jump through. Like once you step into relationship with Christ, you have everything you need for life and godliness. You can't get more of something that you already have. You can't get more of God or more of Jesus by being, you know, a picture perfect Christian. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no list. Like you are good with him. He is good with you. Now go like do something with that. You know, the book ends with like, go, like go set other people free from the things that God set you free from. Go help other people with your gifts and with your abilities. Like here's how Mm -hmm. really. Yeah, that's good. So powerful. So tell our friends here online where they can get your book and we're on pre-order. So for those of you that are, you know, new to the book arena or authors just coming out, pre-orders are everything and um, they're very important. And I know you've heard me pushing my book on pre-orders and uh, Blake is in the pre-order season. uh, And it's just a beautiful thing because you pay for it now and then it just shows up at your door. So tell them a little bit about where to go, um, you know, what your dates are for the launch, all the things. Yeah. So you can actually go to the girl named Blake.com slash book. And for the next little while, when you pre-order the book, we're actually giving away the audible version for free. Uh, and it's read by me. So, uh, but you can pre-order it from anywhere, Amazon, books, a million Barnes and Noble, Walmart, all of those kinds of places. And then you just put your order number in the form and we'll email you the audible version. And also I made like an, I love to make playlists. It's like one of my spiritual gifts. Uh, And so I made a playlist for the book that each song like correlates with each chapter of the book. Um, And so we'll send you that as well. Um, And the book comes out October 11th. So yeah, we're definitely in the pre-order push right now. Hey, that's so exciting. And we will put all that information in the show notes in case you didn't have a pen to write that down. So are you planning a book launch party? So it's actually kind of funny. My husband and I have been married 10 years this year and we plan to renew our vows and we got married in October. And so we originally, my book was supposed to come out mid-September. And so we planned this book, I mean, this trip for the beginning of October will then my date got pushed. So we're actually going to be on the trip with our best friends when my book comes out. Oh, that's as good I as I know. So I, and we're, you know, so we're obviously going to celebrate, but it's going to be really cool to get to all be together for that. And then the next week I'm actually hosting a, my first ever retreat. And that Saturday we're having a book launch party with the people oh, that are at the retreat. So, fine. That, yeah. That sounds, that's the best of both. I know. I know. 
It worked out so perfectly. I love it. Well, Blake, we're super excited for your book to come out. I am. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your heart. We think the world of you and um, I'm excited to see you do more good things. So you're the best. This was so fun. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. All right. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of Gracefield Grit. I know that your time is valuable and I truly appreciate you being here. I hope it was helpful and that you'll share it with a friend. In order to schedule amazing guests on our show, we could use some good reviews. So if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be honored if you could head over to the podcast app on your phone, tap the album art for the Gracefield Grit podcast, scroll down to the bottom of the page and write a review. I'm looking forward to our next episode and I hope you'll join us again. Blessings to you today, friend, as you live out your own grace-filled grit.